Welcome to The Truants, a podcast providing bite-sized insight into creative scenes and the culture that surrounds them. We'll take you on an unpredictable ride as you're thrown into conversations with a range of people from unique creative scenes, each with their own stories to tell. I'm your host, Lenny, and in this episode, I'm joined by creative director and co-founder of Concept Object, Jack Moolark. We chatted about his love of audio, sound system restoration, collaboration with the music, the circular economy, waste, and the value which we as a society put on the art of making. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Can you tell us the first thing you fell in love with and the impact it has had on you later in life? Oh, the first thing. Well, I'm quite a romantic at heart, so I'm constantly falling in and out of love with objects but uh, I mean my parents are antiques dealers and sports historians so I love old things I can remember the first time I played a valve guitar amp and that was something that was so visceral and like the energy that came out of it was like fucking orgasmic (laughs) it was like a game changer and that that was an absolute like revelation to me. The difference between going playing through something that was analog or like a just a shitty PA that my dad bought me when I was like seven through saving up and buying my first uh, valve amp. It was a Fender uh, Fender Twin. It's just fucking wailed, mate. <laughs> like, it was the one, and like, I I still have way too many amps. Bear in mind, I don't play. I've got there's this beautiful. Pers- a beautiful company in uh, Devon called Cornford and I saved up for years to buy a Cornford amp all point to point welding like barely any parts it's just got an on switch but it melts your it just melts you it's just this (laughs) incredible experience and the fact that it's so responsive and it's just very it's like this haptic experience that you get from playing it so I've Every, everyone falls in love with instruments and amplifiers and you pick up a guitar and it tells you such a story so I've always fallen in love with old instruments and old amplifiers I think the idea that it's an old thing but it increases in value is also super interesting like you take I don't know a piece of technology like a laptop or something an old laptop is in, in essence is fucking junk but an old guitar from the 60s is fucking gold <laughs> like it's the difference isn't it and I love how they uh, they break with the expectations of society and they they buck the trend of uh, like financial expectations and they get older but they get more valuable which I think is super interesting and definitely very lovable from a monetary perspective (laughs) (laughs) and from a playable perspective and just from an object and a living perspective aside from the the obvious impact playing it and the like you said the visceral moment you had is it also partly the story that those things tell it's it's got a place in history so like an antique is something that yeah tells a story or has a place it's cult it's like a frozen bit of culture which I think is very fucking cool like life is so effervescent and before we know it we're goddamn dead 
So it's so good to be able to crystallize something and give it longevity. And I think like we're here to talk about the circular economy and waste and uh, just the mundane mass produced monotony of life. I think it's very nice when you have an object that breaks out of that process, that churn, churn of consumption. So your thing is concept object. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it was born? So concept object started with me and my wife, Madeline Gosling. We, uh, way back, found an old broken vintage radio. And Maddie's dad is an electrician. He builds defibrillators. Probably the wrong thing. Probably not a defibrillator. He builds something that saves people's lives <laughs> at the NHS. So he's like, but not that. So he amazingly, like, he found it so easy. It was unbelievable how easy he felt it to fix this old vintage radio. And but what he did is he took, uh, just managed to uh, hardwire a jack into it, so we could plug it into our laptop. Or this was ages ago, almost ten years ago now, uh, iPod into it. And the sound of recreating, like, modern sound, like, just MP-fucking-3s, through this old vintage radio, it's just like, what? sounds so alive. And this radio was being thrown out. It was unwanted, it was unloved, it was battered. It cost, like, four pounds or something stupid. Yeah, all these Philips, you can pick them up for nothing. And, like, I had it from the love of valve amplifiers. I was like, I've been blowing a grand on a Fender Twin (laughs) and then uh, there's this like beautiful bush valve radio that sounds boom and it's been thrown away and we we found out that there was shit tons of these radios being scrapped and thrown away and we we ended up adopting about 500 of them yeah, no joke. So like this old this old guy, his uh, his son like phoned us up. He's like, my dad's ill, and he's been collecting radios practically his whole life. Like sheds and sheds of radios, and it was killing us. They were all getting woodworm, they're all rotting, dying. He's like, they just need to go to someone who's not gonna fucking burn them. Yeah. We we're like, cool, we'll take them on. So. We still got about a hundred of them, mate. Just like <laughs> in the warehouse, mate. Yeah, the yeah. So we we took on these radios. Some of them were exquisite. Like I've seen some of them in the British Design Museum, and we took them on, and we just slowly fixed them up with Wayne, me, and Maddie painting them, spraying them, just bobbling along in the background. Just this fucking shed full of seven hundred <laughs> radios. And we put on events as well. Like we managed. We built like we've been to the Tate and seen that weird tower of speakers yeah yeah yeah, like that we put a wall so we wired them all up uh, but that one's fake mate there's just a speaker in the middle of it ours was for real like us we wired them all up we just mopped so many bloody jacks just wired up in this wall of speakers and it was at my mate's calf and we in got calf. yeah in his calf just this wall of speakers like all these not but radios and they all light up so you've got that glow people came in and they put their song on and mate that evening was like transcendent like the people like honestly when they heard their music being played through all the little radios it was like mate dicked on the Tate exhibition <laughs> it was so good because they were hearing their song and like it's just the memories came back and just the sense of wonder and like belonging and like just in this little calf the buzz that was going around was absolutely brilliant and like 
we were chatting before I design spaces I, yeah. I'm all about community and like that's what everyone's striving for from like brand business perspective it's very valuable it's effervescent it's important mm. it's also important just as a person to have that in your life and I remember feeling like such a connection with everyone sharing their music we were doing an event for Absolute Vodka we designed it all and it got shelved because of Covid so we ended up having all this fucking plywood like kicking around like stacks of it mate because we were cutting a bar getting it all CNC'd and what we ended up doing is building a sound system so we knew what we how we wanted it to make us feel from the valve radios Mm. we knew that we wanted to create this sense of like like something that like I said is like not like an antique but something that has its point in history an object that comes from an idea yeah. so that ties back into concept object this strive to make objects that make you fucking feel something like like the radio did and we uh, yeah we set about trying to build a sound system we did we we just drew pictures we worked we collaborated with because Maddie my wife she uh, does interiors as well and there's quite a lot of people out of work then so mm. a lot of people amazing visual merchandisers amazing store sculptures so we just like said what would a sound system look like we got all these rad drawings back some people prototyped made like we got origami ones back and uh, concrete shapes so we briefed it out and uh, just big major props to this uh, amazing designer called Fiona Coop who we ended up, she sent us this beautiful concrete horn. It's like fucking stunning, matey. And we took that concrete horn and the wood we had and we took it to a carpenter. We got him to make these, like if you see OBJ number one, we got him to make these like wooden horns out of the plywood. And then we worked with another the local community, uh, Armstrong Audio to do sound testing to make sure the response was flat. We worked out that this shape that we created, the the hexagon, was very resonant. And then we were like, we've got this beautiful cabinet. What we've got to put stuff in it. And like, I went online and like we found out that a lot, a lot of the speakers and stuff, they're fucking expensive. <laughs> like, if you need to replace the speaker in a in a driver, like if you want a new JBL speaker, set you back a fortune. But all these retailers were closing down with amazing sound system in them, amazing ceiling speakers, amazing, uh, amazing audio setups, and they were literally scrapping them. No. So we went to reclamation yards and we bought all the speakers. I bought, again, like I bought a hundred very nice JBL ceiling speakers. Just got them in storage now. I was gonna say, yeah. Right? <laughs> we have any yeah. more room. No, mate, my my little two beds. <laughs> It's Ramo, bruv. Actually, if anyone would <laughs> has any space, please contact me. Yeah, so we these amazing speakers. I looked, I was like, the parts on this, like this is my antique dealer side coming out. I'm a consultant, I'm a designer. The parts, mate, this scraps. <laughs> mate, this scraps are way more. Like the speakers in there were like, we were paying five pounds a unit, right? Nothing. But then the parts inside were 120 quid. So we're just stripping them out and then putting all the money into hiring like master crafts people, like mm. carpenters, like working with amazing carpenters. So we put these speakers in, 
amazing crossovers, really flat response. We tuned it, and then that was kind of our first drop. Such an interesting series of events that's led you to that first drop, and I can imagine since then you've found some pretty amazing gems in some interesting places. Yeah, there's a vast amount of amazing, uh, amazing materials out there that are unwanted and like concept object. We seek that out, man. Like old closing cinemas. Like I was at Ascot last week because they're changing out their VIP suites. <laughs> so I took all the speakers from Ascot. <laughs> they're amazing, mate. They're coaxials from America. Can't buy them here. Beautiful magnets. Oh, mate, they're dying, mate. The next drop, the speakers from Ascot. <laughs> Yes, amazing stuff, and it's just taking that like unwanted and turning it into something that is quite exclusive. I went to the military and got a load of uh, weapons-grade horns that they use for scaring people off. And yeah, that I've got 16 weapons-grade horns. They use an air raid shelter. They're massive, mate. They're probably about, yeah, probably about 50 inches by 50 clearly design and audio has yeah. a big impact on you what effect are you trying or what effect you hope to have on the people that come and experience your systems like you said design and audio it's very it's got a big part in my life man i think music is the greatest form of collaboration like when you are playing in a band or you're djing and you've got that connection with everyone around you Nothing beats that. You you don't feel alone anymore. You feel part of something bigger. And I think as a human beings, it can be very lonely. And that strive to no longer feel alone is... I've most felt it through music. Like, as a band, as, as a band, as a kid in a band, like, the fact that you were having that connection with three other, four other people in the room and you felt like like you almost you knew what the person was going to do you very rarely know what's going on in someone's head when you're playing mm. music together you're literally on the same fucking page and like, I, I, I know from talking to people that people have experienced this in sports this connection isn't standalone to music like sometimes you get it in like work or when you're riffing or when you're writing and I'd love to be a bit of a catalyst for that. I, it's, it's, it's a bit of an ambitious leap, but it would be amazing. Well, I think it sounds like you're well on your way to achieving some of those goals. Now, I want to move on to the circular economy, which is something that you mentioned briefly earlier, and it's clearly a foundation that you've built concept object on. So I was wondering if you could give us a brief overview of the circular economy and there may be some ideas and suggestions on how people listening can engage with it. The circular economy is a no-brainer, isn't it, really? Mm. Like, we have to reuse. There's so much fucking stuff, man. And so much of that stuff isn't very good, and it keeps adding to it. Like, I'm, I'm an art student. I went to art school, and my tutor stood up, and he was just like, there's a fucking massive pile of bad art out there. Like, do you really want to add to it? And like, I feel that's about like stuff. But do you know how much stuff there is out there? We're drowning in it. It's mad. There has to be like a better way mm. than just 
churning out the same thing that's slightly different every year. Like, oh, it's fucking grey now. Well done. Like, great. <laughs> that's going to bring me joy. That's going to fill the gaping void in my soul. For 12 months. For, for 12 months. Until the pink one yeah, yeah, and then I have to get it in light grey. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's not a sustainable way to live, man. It's just not, it's not a very healthy way to live as well. Constantly looking for the, like, you've got to balance the amount that you consume with the amount that you create. I know I'm in a very privileged position that I create and I make every day and it's part of my lifestyle choice and it's part of my routine. But I think just being mindful of it and yeah, it's a tricky one, man, because you could grow your own fucking vegetables, you could do all of this, but it's hard to this the time and it's hard like look mate, going off on a fucking tangent here. The thing that if anyone can ask me how they can afford to sell coleslaw at the price that coleslaw is, I will I will happily buy you a beer. Mate, have you ever tried to grow carrots and onions? And have you ever tried to make mayonnaise, bruv? Whisk a fucking lemon. Like and then like pump like get the fucking plastic out from the centre of the earth, get the oil out, refine it, make a plastic pot. Like you've take six months to grow the carrots, it take another four months to grow the onions, take you a good day to make the mayonnaise. Don't know how to do refined plastic. But that's fucking forty P <laughs> It blows my mind every time I see coleslaw in the in the supermarket. Like it melts me. I'm like, how is that that cheap? Do you know I'd go off now and make a make a plastic tub of coleslaw for under I don't know 60 quid yeah <laughs> I don't yeah. know I'll, I'll see you in, see you yeah. in six months yeah exactly it's mad man <laughs> I know it's just it's just not fair the value economy is fucked like it's fucked man the it's so disproportionate to what things are now mm. it's completely dis disconnected from real life like the fact that it's so hard the great like making something really grounds you and how fucking hard it is to make something paying a master craftsperson to make a speaker is it's just eye-opening the amount of time and effort and the blood and the sweat and the tears and the cuts and the crafts and the drawings and the thinking and just the personal experience they have with that object and people I yeah just make something like literally just go out like just make some fucking origami man but I think it is just grounding yourself and just making something just there's nothing more humanising because you find out how sodding hard it is mate and like as a designer I do a lot of drawings and I hand that off and it's no longer my problem but when I have to build when I have to work with a carpenter when I have to help with the measurements and get hands on it is very like go, everyone go home and make some fucking coleslaw and then come back and tell me <laughs> that that was worth it <laughs> like it was not like with it, I think we've got to take a long hard look at the value that a society is dictating on making things and things it's a, it's a bit of a race to the bottom isn't it I know it's not very happy and so yeah it's not a massively positive message but just just make something and just be aware of it don't like it's tricky isn't it mm. but I, and find joy in old things man like 
these shoes I'm wearing, mate. They're older than me. These are my dad's. No. Yeah. They're old shoes, man. Like, just find joy in the older things and then just fix them. <laughs> like, put a new sole. These are four soles. But, like, yeah, just fix things. I was, I was going to ask. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not like um, the triggers a broom, is it? Right? Yeah, it is a bit. <laughs> But that's a good way like you, you it keeps it it does I love that the whole the boat thing and the the broom thing yeah. or the spade thing like just yeah just fix things try and make your own cold slaw <laughs> <laughs> and make something just try and make something it, it's it's very humbling and it's very human and I think we kind of lose sight of what it is to be human when we start mass producing everything on such a large scale and churning out so much stuff mm. it just we almost lose our humanity in the fucking flood of like forgettable things yeah just have a crack at making something no, <laughs> or fixing I, yeah. something like fixing ugh, my fire alarm this is fucking stupid I don't mind telling you this broke I managed to fix it. I was like, oh yeah, that's probably not very safe. But like, just have a go at fixing stuff. I did the same with my yeah. doorbell. Yeah, it went. Absolutely chuffed. Yes, absolutely I know, bro. Game like, over. I was like, how on earth did I even manage that? I don't, I, was like, I don't even understand how it's connected. But it worked. But it, but it rang. <laughs> it's joy, mate. Like, that's what I get when I. Like, oh man, the feel you times that by fifty, mate, when you turn a speaker on. You've driven to fucking Sunderland or somewhere to pick up this crossover. <laughs> you've gone to like Newport to pick up the plywood. You've been whizzing all over the place to get all of this unwanted stuff and you've worked with the carpenter, you've done the plans and then you turn it on and it creates this sound and it's alive. Like your like, like your doorbell. It's alive. <laughs> And the energy, man, it's, yeah, it's, it's life-affirming. Like, they've just passed that law that things have to be fixable. Yeah. Which was fucking stupid to think that they didn't. And then make this thing, and if it breaks, it's gone. Like, it's one-use plastic, one-use laptop, mate. Mm. Like, what the fuck? Lithium batteries, which are fucking toxic. Like, all of that stuff just going back into the earth. Mad. A speaker, like I said, it's a magnet. We can fix the paper. We can sort it all out. Like It's very fixable. A lot of this stuff just needs to be made possible to be able to fix it and replace it. And then you need the tools out there to educate people that they can do it. But I think, yeah, encouraging that maker attitude is going to be integral. To wrap things off, as we usually do, yeah. can you recommend something to listen to, read or watch that has helped you gain an insight into a culture unfamiliar to your own? There's a film I watched about the judicial system being in prison on a Netflix called Mustang. It's quite beautiful. It's about this guy that ends up in prison. I won't ruin the story, but his life is saved by bringing up horses. So in the prison system in America, they, it's pretty much a slave labor. They get them to make jeans, but part of the way out of this, you could train horses to sell back to the military or back to the police force. And this chap who's in prison for horrible horrible reasons he's not a very nice person but he finds redemption through the animals and I thought it was quite insightful how fucking brutal life is 
It's fucking heartbreaking, mate. It's fucking raw, but like, it definitely gave me a wee bit of insight. I don't want to go to prison. Don't really like horses, but. But life is fucking brutal, but very beautiful. And I love that juxtaposition between the brutality and the beautifulness. And I think that film does it in a very enlightened, in a very just, in a very interesting way. I want something that aligns with just all the garble I've been garbling on about. <laughs> is Have you seen the Sound City documentary with David Grohl? No, it's I fucking haven't. amazing man. Talks about creative feel, like the soul in objects, being ob- objects being able to unlock the third man in recording sessions. It's not. It doesn't give me an outside. It just aligns completely with everything <laughs> I believe in. <laughs> but, so go and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Both. Yeah. Watch Mustang and Sound Cities. That eye-opening chat certainly gave me a new perspective on a few things and a desire to turn my hand to making more often. Please take some time to check out the incredible creations Jack and Madeline produce at Concept Object. And as always, there are links in the description to the recommendations Jack made. Until next time. <laughs>